Hey folks, you know what? A small regret is slouching in the dentist chair thinking I should have brushed and flossed better. A big health regret is listening to your doctor and thinking I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. I have that regret a lot. Better health today and when it matters most is why I take Field of Greens. Field of Greens is unlike any fruit and vegetable or green product. Field of Greens isn't watered down extracts. Field of Greens is an organic superfood. It's whole fruits and vegetables. Each fruit and vegetable was selected by doctors to support vital body functions like heart, liver, kidneys, metabolism, and of course, your immune system. And only Field of Greens is backed by a better health promise. At your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Don't look back and say, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. Field of Greens is a key to better health today, right now, and when it matters most. Let's get you started with 15% off and free shipping. All you got to do is visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS at checkout. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, a podcast from Just the News, where today we've got some great guests for you. We're going to tackle two very different issues, but I think they're very interesting, very newsy. Joining us in just a few minutes will be Ali Mare. If you haven't heard of her, you will get to know her quickly. She is at the center of this parents movement all across the country, just like Heritage Action and others are. She created a group called Free to Learn Coalition. It's nonpartisan and it's empowering parents to find out what they need to know about what's going on in the school districts, what their teachers are saying, what tools they have to confront the school boards or to have conversations that are effective in making change. She wants to instill freedom back in the school system. The school systems are not supposed to be dictators of school bureaucracies and union organized teachers. They're supposed to be free learning systems where parents have a say, where points of view are free. There isn't a unilateral free for all that only liberal ideas like the NEA teaches get injected. We want freedom to critically think and not have our children taught to have only one point of view. We want them to learn how to think, not what to think. And that is where Ali Mari is based at, right at the heart of this Free to Learn Coalition. Amazing woman, used to be chief of staff to the Air Force Secretary, worked for the NRCC, and was an HHS spokeswoman. A lot of government bureaucracy experiment before she spun off in Virginia and started this national movement and this national organization, nonprofit called Free to Learn, Free to Learn org. We're going to spend some time with Ali de- deciphering what happened in Virginia and what it means for the rest of the country and what's really going on. Are there more sex assaults swept under the rug in these schools or other crimes that we're not learning about? want to ask Ali about that. Also want to find out what are teachers? There can't be, 100% of teachers can't be in favor of what's been going on in schools. I'm going to ask Allie what she's learning about from teachers. Remember, we had those teachers on from Springfield, Missouri recently, who were indoctrinated and put through these really embarrassing training exercises designed to get them to acknowledge that they were inherently racist, you know, all that stuff. A lawsuit was filed there. Well, we're going to ask Allie, maybe there are more teachers like that, that Springfield, Missouri wasn't an aberration, but it might have been really representative of a large number of the great teachers who teach our children every day, who don't have a political motive. They just have the best interest of our kids at heart. That's what we're going to ask Allie about. And then we have got some big news out of Miami, Florida today. That's right, Miami, Florida. Why are we going there? Well, a brand new Latino news site has launched, ADN America, A-D-N. Let me give you that alpha dog, Nancy, ADNAmerica.com. Launched today. My good friend, Helet Ferhella is going to join us. She's the editor-in-chief and founder of this great new news organization, Latinos are becoming such an important part of America. They have a big story today specifically about the exit polling data in Virginia and other places showing a trend of Latinos and Latinas towards, you got it, Republicans and conservative principles. That could be a game changer in politics. We're going to ask her about why she started the site, what it's going to do. We'll ask about that great story that led the site there today and why we're at it. We'll give you a chance to learn a little bit about Helette for Hella. Her biography is amazing. She was a child star in Cuba who then dared to speak out against Castro. She fled Cuba, went to Costa Rica from Costa Rica. She became a U.S. citizen, and uh, she has been at the center 
of these protests that the people of Cuba are now rejecting their communist government. Hellet for Hell has actually been named by the Cuban government as part of the reason there is a freedom movement in Cuba. We're going to have her on. What a great guest. You are going to be delighted. She is a, a force of nature, full of energy, full of ideas, full of great journalism. And we're going to introduce you to her great brand, ADN America, as well. Those are the big things we're going to tackle. But before we do, let's go around the horn a little bit and talk a little bit about some of the breaking news we broke here at Just the News Today because we have some great ones. Listen, the one that's trending most right now is our story that we broke with our good reporter, Greg Piper. You've seen him do many things. He's at the forefront of cancel culture and critical race theory. There's a Bronze Star recipient, an Air Force Sergeant Major, who the Air Force is trying to force out even though all of the jurisdictions, the courts and the federal bureaucracy systems and military systems have said he should not be forced out. He should only face a single reduction in pay because he did something stupid. He touched a woman's leg in a hot tub. She didn't belong in the hot tub with her as, a, as an officer. He shouldn't have been in there. But the Air Force is trying to take it beyond what the adjudication system allowed for. An epic battle between are we going to follow the rule of law? Are we going to follow a motion in politics? This amazing story by Greg Piper. Check it out. The headline is Air Force to revoke Bronze Star recipients retirement benefits for hot tub incident. A lot of movement on that case since we broke that story last night. I think you'll like that read. It's a very good read. It's a complicated case. Listen, there's not a perfect hero in here, but there's also what appears to be an extension beyond what the court systems have concluded, an effort to punish them beyond what due process has offered. That always is a big thing. Hey, uh, a poll's out, a new poll's out by our good friends at the Convention of the States. A majority of Americans, guess what? They oppose $450,000 payouts to the migrants who were separated at the border. Illegal migrants shouldn't get money from the United States government because they violated the law. That is the message of the poll. Check that out. Our good friend, I think Bethany Blankley worked on that. Tremendous reporter, great reporter. We love all of her border work every day here at Just the News. Hey, another one? Also from Greg Piper, he was busy yesterday. There's a new lawsuit filed against Dr. Anthony Fauci, the face of the pandemic, right? Our infectious disease chief, a lot of criticism uh, among Trump and Republicans in Congress. Uh, Rand Paul really has uh, had his battles with Anthony Fauci. There's a new lawsuit, and it's, these are naturally immune federal workers, workers that had COVID, survived it, got the antibodies. They are suing. It's a class action lawsuit against Fauci and others for trying to force a COVID vaccine on them when they already have immunity. That's going to be a big lawsuit. I bet that gets into the high court system before it's all done. And finally, something you may not be aware of, there are five controversial policies tucked into that $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill. Yeah, the one that 13 Republicans helped Joe Biden pass. You're going to be surprised by what some of them are. There's some interesting tax obligations now imposed on cryptocurrency. The next time you buy a new car, it may be equipped with a breathalyzer that will shut your car down if it detects that your breath is above the legal limit. Those are some pretty interesting things you didn't expect, right? They're in the infrastructure bill. They're not really infrastructure. They're social or other policies being put into an infrastructure spending bill. Check out what the good work that Nick Ballacy did. It's a great read, very important. All right, we're going to take that quick commercial break. When we come back, two amazing women on the forefront of helping our country. Ali Mare, the creator and founder of Free to Learn, the new nonprofit helping parents push back against school districts that are teaching extreme ideology or disempowering parents when parents should have a say over their children's future, followed by Halette Frahella, a Cuban refugee that you are going to fall in love with. She is uh, got a brand new news site in Miami, ADN America. It's one you'll end up reading even if you're not Latino. It's in English as well. It's got great journalism. We're going to cover both of those today right after this commercial break. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. 
Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, we're going to take a deeper dive into what happened in the Virginia election last week. It is to say it was a political earthquake is to underestimate what's really happening. There's lots of lessons to be learned from it. And joining us right now is Ali Marais. She is got a remarkable resume. Was a former chief of staff to the Air Force Secretary, uh, worked as a spokesperson for the Health and Human Services Department here in Washington, and now runs a very important nonprofit called Free to Learn that is really at the forefront of this movement by parents to learn what's going on in their children's uh, schools and school classrooms and help empower them to make the changes that parents want to make. So welcome to the show right now, Ali Murray. Ali, great to have you on here. Thank you for having me. So you're a mom, you're an, you're an activist, you've been in the highest levels of government. When you look at what happened last Tuesday, what, how do you explain what voters were trying to tell the American public, tell our leadership? Well, I think above all else, um, people are really trying to make sure that um, our leadership understands that first and foremost, parents have and should continue to have a role in their children's education. Um, beyond that, that role is not just to you know speak to an empty room and into a into a microphone. Parents want to have actually some influence. There needs to be a dialogue. There needs to be conversations about what's going on in the classroom. And I. I know you guys have covered this before, but um, it was really the pandemic and, and COVID that yeah. brought parents back into that dialogue, into that conversation. It's amazing what a silver time, lining it was to such a tragedy. Yeah, because for, for the first time, parents actually had a front row seat into the classroom of, of not only what their kids were and were not learning, but how they were learning it and the yeah. way that issues were being couched and what was being taught. And, you know, for the first time in a long time, people looked at that and were like, oh, wow, um, this isn't just reading, writing and math anymore. And it's time for us to get more involved. Yeah, such a great point. Such a great point. The um, so when you look at the exit polls, there were really three things that voters of all different um, uh, stripes and, and backgrounds said uh, the economy was very important. Education, very important. Taxes were very important. Those seem to be the top three that you see universally in the in the exit polls. Um, when people look at that, if you're a Democrat or Republican running in the future, if you're someone looking at this, what what sort of data do you or what sort of things do you take from the voters message? They're worried about the economy. They don't want more taxes. They want schools to be what? You know, what, what do you think that those candidates are going to take from this? Well, I think as we just touched on, the parental role is yeah. extremely important. Um, but a lot of activists try to make this about, you know, simply one issue. It's it's critical race theory. It's sex education. Right. It's, um, you know, how we're portraying American history. But I think what we heard via loudspeaker last week was that parents care about all of it. This is yeah. not like a singular problem that people are focused on that needs to be fixed. I think what we really saw was the over the last 18 months, not only the exposure, but also the collapse of our public school institution. Um, and we're at a point right now where parents have a huge role in being able to build that back up into a better model that serves every family. Um, you know, of course, we've talked at nauseum about some of the, the curriculum, but beyond that, I mean, there has been a sustained trend via, you know, the quote nations report card, but also the, the SOL tests here specific to Virginia, where we've seen declining performance on that over the last decade. And it was something that really um, became even a wider gap uh, because of virtual learning and because of COVID. And yeah. so now, um, you know, parents are really frustrated and students are frustrated because we've seen a significant learning loss over an extended period of time. And if we don't focus on the basics and some of those 
academic skills or even vocational skills that are going to help students perform in the real world. Um, you know, this next generation is going to have a lot of catching up to do during their adult life, and that's not a service to anybody. Yeah, no, that's such an important thing. Once they're behind, it's really hard to catch up. That's why we we had programs like Head Start and other things for children of need, but now we've put an entire generation of students potentially uh, behind. Uh, I want to get to Free to Learn because it's such a fascinating organization. Obviously, it has two different elements that I think are highly impactful, but before we do, I want to take a look at one other thing that I think starts to be in the the DNA of parents or in the DNA of this debate that went on. I think this, uh, when I've talked to a lot of parents, they seem to talk about they could not believe the sense of entitlement that education bureaucrats had, that they believe that parents shouldn't have a say, we know better than you what's right for your children. And guess what? If you try to tell us what to do, we're not going to listen to you. We're going to chagrin you. We're going to tell you to sit down and be quiet. Uh, Has the dynamic begun to change given how much parents have activated over these issues? You know, I would I would like to say we've seen a better response from from schools, but it's really, you know, a case by case basis. And I would add even another layer to what you just outlined, where many parents or community members who have spoken out against some of what's going on in the schools have even been, um, you know, quote, doxxed, where another member of the community has called their employer or, you know, given their kids less minutes on the, on the soccer team or whatever sort of, um, you know, social forcing function they have at their disposal to be able to push parents or community members to back down. And it's been, it's been really bad. And we've seen that a lot of places across the country. And that's, um, you know, oftentimes where someone will eventually get to the point where they call our organization for help because they feel like they've exhausted all of the options at their fingertips within the confines of what the school district or the community allows, and they just need some additional support. Yeah, such an important thing, that doxing, that sort of canceling, that sort of uh, mm-hmm. public shaming has become so much more common, and it just it makes you scratch your head what sort of country we've become when we think that's an appropriate way to have a debate with someone we disagree with. It's it's really remarkable. Now, tell us a little bit about what inspired you to create Free to Learn and then how it's structured, right? Because it's got a, a, a 501c non three com, uh, 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 nonprofit component, then it's got a 501c4 act, you know, active policy component. Tell us you know, w- why you, you started it and then how it evolved into these two arms. Yeah, so as you mentioned at the top, I'm a parent. I have two young kids and live in suburban, exurban Richmond and have observed some of the things that have been going on um, here, but also more broadly in the state. We actually used to live up in Fairfax County and at the start of COVID when we saw um, what was going on and how this was being handled, we left that community um, in, in part because of this, which was just, you know, Um, which was sad because we moved to that district because of the schools. Um, And so decided that I wanted to be involved and help try to to change the tide of what we were seeing here and use my my background and being able to organize to help parents who perhaps haven't been in that type of a situation before. Um, So Free to Learn, the Free to Learn Coalition, um, we partner directly with parents and community groups to help create an environment that is free of politics and activism. We are constantly saying academics over activism. Um, And then as part of that, of course, reaffirming the role of parents in influencing their children's education. Um, And then, as you mentioned, there's um, Free to Learn Action, which supports public policy that allows for that type of environment to thrive. Um, so if anyone listening has had an issue in their own community or their public school district, we actually have a, a little button right on the homepage of our website, freetolearn.org, where you can share your story with us. Um, it's completely private. Um, and a member of our team will reach out to you and we'll talk you through some of what we've worked with um, in the past and how we've been successful to help you develop a plan and, and be supportive of your efforts in your district. Um, but we partner directly with parents and families to help them implement change in, in their school districts. Yeah, no, that's it's just amazing. And you're, you're really helping. I mean, obviously you're based in Virginia, but you're really expanding beyond Virginia, right? Any parents group anywhere can come in and get help from you. Is that correct? Absolutely. We've been working very closely recently with a family 
in Arizona where they had actually opted their daughter out of a piece of curriculum in coordination with both the principal and the teacher. And then the teacher ended up going back on their word, giving the assignment to their daughter anyway. Um, and so we've been working with that family to actually file a complaint with the um, Arizona Department of Education, which will then get kicked to the Attorney General's office for a formal investigation. Um, Arizona is a state that's kind of unique in where there are actually um, avenues of, of recourse for the institution beyond just having a parent, you know, pull their kids from the school. So that has been every state's a little bit different and that's one thing that we help um, people who reach out to us navigate um, you know in arizona your avenues for recourse are much different than what they might be in ohio um, but we've spent the last six months getting smart on all of those procedures and, and can help parents navigate that um, because one of the first things that these school districts like to do is is send parents through the bureaucracy rabbit hole and then by the time you get to the other side you're six months behind the unit you actually had a problem with. Yeah, it really is. That's it's such a, a crazy dynamic. Now, over the summer, you uh, your group launched an ad campaign. I think it was about a million dollars it was reported. Uh, what impact did that have on the debate as you look back? Did it bring more parents to connect with you? Did it activate more parents? What, what was the goal of that ad ca campaign? And what was its sort of uh, impact when you look back at it? Oh, absolutely. When we um, launched our organization, we ran three um, advertisements in Arizona, in Virginia, and in New York City. And that not only brought more parents um, into our, our coalition, our organization, but what it really did that, that made me proud was it, it didn't just expand our coalition by numbers. It expanded our coalition um, in the types of people who were involved. I mean, there's one group who, who we're working with where there are a handful of parents who were Bernie Sanders primary voters. And then we have, you know, uh, in, in the same group, parents who are supportive of uh, former President Trump, all working together on this issue. And that's one thing that I try and beat the drum on time and time and time again, is that this is a really broad coalition of people across the country who feel very strongly in their children and these students having access to a quality education. Um, and it unites parents across the board. It's, this is not some um, you know, single issue focused problem that, the, um, that some like to make it out to be. Um, this is having an effect on, on parents of all belief systems, all thoughts, race, gender across the country. Um, and it's really been uniting to, to see so many parents come together to work with us and trying to, to fix the way that our, our education uh, that's fascinating. has been the last six months. Whenever you have Bernie Sanders and Trump people in the same coalition, you've got yeah. a pretty wide group of, uh, of, uh, of America covered. And that's, uh, that's pretty remarkable. The, where does this debate go next? Where does this free-to-learn debate go? And you know, when people look at this, the whole education debate, the modern cancer culture, the modern extremist uh, 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 curriculum sort of started at a college campus and it came down to K-12 to now where people, I think, are pretty alarmed. Does it trend back towards uh, 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 the, the continuum? Because once you get out of high school, you go to college and it seems as though college is another place where parents don't have a whole lot of say over what's being taught. Mm -hmm. um, do you see this growing back or the two issues colliding together in the next part of this debate in America? Well, I think we'll see, I hope we'll see some changes that at least kind of bring us, bring us back to center. Um, first, there's this whole, you know, parental involvement part of it, which we've talked about, so I won't get back into that. But I also think that there will be a new appetite for transparency, um, where perhaps there are, there are opportunities for districts to kind of set the stage here where when they're adopting or set out to adopt new curriculum that it's presented in a school board setting um, for with parents to have an opportunity to weigh in um, or at least it's you know posted on the school board website saying this is going to be adopted or we're going to vote on this etc especially for things that are more controversial or, or political in nature um, so that's that's an opportunity um, but I also think what's What's interesting is parents are, you know, quote, voting with their feet. And, and 
um, what I mean by that is we've seen a huge decline nationally in parents re-enrolling their kids in public schools. The, the number of parents who have decided to homeschool, even though school is now back in person, yeah. has maintained an exorbitant number. And that's yeah. in large part because of everything that we've been talking about. Um, now, what will be interesting there is to see that, see whether or not the way that schools are funded change because of that. If there are enough parents who um, are like, hey, why am I still paying these exorbitant property taxes if my yeah. kids are going if, to school? If, and, if it goes know, to school, that doesn't even teach my children. Yeah. Exactly. You know, but that's been a structure that's been in place since the beginning of time. So who knows? Yeah. But um, there are a lot of places where this debate can now go because so many more people are paying attention are, and are involved. And we've seen, you know, school districts across the country have to change, change the way that their events and meetings are structured because there has just been this outpouring of um, a desire to be involved. And, and that's a good thing. Um, school, school boards across the country should be happy about that, that parents are that invested in their kids and in the future of the next generation. Yes, that's an important point. It, there, the dynamic is there. Do you see, a, a, as you talk to parents, as you study the issues and you try to develop this freedom for parents, for individual thought, all the things that you're, you're doing? Because at the core of your curriculum and then your name is this the concept of freedom. Do you think there is a new iteration of school choice that maybe puts some of these funds back in play uh, uh, so that parents can take some of the tax revenues if they don't want to go to a public school system and find the right education solution for their parent? Do you think there's that much momentum in the base of parents in America to have that sort of a debate? You know, I I don't know. Um, but I do know that we, of course, have more parents engaged now than have ever been before. Um, and another factor that I think contributes to that that we haven't touched on yet is that for a really long time, one of the added benefits of having kids in school and in public school was this whole um, custodial aspect. You know, yeah. you sent your kids to school for six, eight, 10 hours a day. Right. Um, you expect them to learn and be in a safe environment. And now even some of the safety aspects are coming back yeah. into play. Yeah, Loudoun County, County, right? Yeah. You know? <laughs> Um, but it's happened in a, in a number of other places, too. I know there's there's been that issue and there was an issue in Fairfax and a handful of other places. But um, so that's making parents rethink the benefit of, of having their kids in school as well, because they're not being appropriate. No one expects everything to be 100 percent perfect all the right. time. But when things like this happen, transparency, you know what's going on yeah. with your kids. And so all of those things combined have really just ignited education to be one of those top one, two, three issues like you referenced in the exit polling from last week. Um, and it has, it has changed the conversation and our education institution has to respond. They have to respond. Yep. Yep. And uh, now the customer is at the uh, counter demanding accountability. And I think that's the dynamic change that you and your group have helped to foster. Uh, parents aren't passive anymore. They're at the counter and they want it. They want to find out what's going on. They want to fix it. And I think that becomes such a remarkable force that we I don't think we've seen even a, a tenth of where this movement may go. As you look yeah. out, how in, uh, are you surprised at how political the education bureaucracy has come. Listen, the NEA has always been a political force. It's always leaned towards the Democrats historically. Um, but um, inherent in a lot of these concerns is that rather than teaching our children how to think, they're teaching them what to think, and they're teaching it from a single a political agenda, political viewpoint. Uh, how uh, important is that? And is there enough uh, muscle behind this parents' movement to kind of stamp out politics from learning and, and get the idea back that you teach my kid how to think, but not what to think? You know, I, I'm optimistic. I think so. Um, and I say that in part, not only because of the enthusiasm that parents have and my belief that they're going to keep their, their foot on the gas, um, but also because our organization, we also hear from a lot of teachers yeah. who are you know, frustrated with what's going on and, and they don't know how to respond or whether they can respond to their um, leadership within their school. And so I really think that what we're seeing right now has been part of the education like activist class over the last decade. So we've got the teachers unions and, and superintendents, and it's, it's really that leadership structure who have pushed these curriculum or policy positions down 
Um, and as part of this now receiving so much sunlight, teachers are also saying like, yes, I've been telling people about this forever. And now I'm glad it's out in the light of day because it's really frustrating for me and blah, 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 blah. Now, of course, there are always going to be a handful of bad apple teachers in the bunch too. But I mean, by and large, parents and, and students and community members respect and understand how hard the job is to be a teacher day in and day out and the work that um, you know, those members of our, our communities are, are doing to help develop the next generation. And many of them enter that job and that role with a servant's heart, and they want to make the next generation better. Um, and that's what we hear time and time again when teachers write to us. So um, I do think that the infrastructure is already in place with our teachers for this to shift back to the way that it should be. Wow. Um, it's just a, a matter of making sure that those institutions like our, our teachers unions and um, superintendents and the school board associations, those elected positions really understand that they represent a community. They aren't representing their yeah. own self-interest and political opinions. That is the key. And when I talk to parents, that's the key. They want to just make sure that they're representing the community's interest and not some political point of view that their union or their own personal family has. And that's the the real trick. Allie, this is such an amazing movement you've started. I mean, it's only a few years old. It's already having enormous impact. I can't wait to get you back on the show because I have a funny feeling we're going to see a lot more movements. One of the cases we've been watching here at Just the News is the Springfield, Missouri teachers case where teachers are beginning to speak up and saying, you won't believe what I was put Mm -hmm. through, what sort of training I was subjected to that I found offensive. And I feel like that's going to be the next big shoe to drop that we're going to see that parent or that teachers were being basically indoctrinated or humiliated in some cases uh, to think away so that they would then go in the classroom and execute that thinking with their children. And I think that that's going to be such an amazing thing. So we want to stay in touch with it. How do people follow what you're doing, you know, on on social media, with the website? What's the best way for people to stay in touch with your great work? Yeah. So if you go to free to learn.org, um, there, we have a newsletter. You can sign up for our newsletter there and our, our social handles are all linked. Um, again, that's Great. free to learn.org. And also if anyone is having an issue within their own school district, public or private, um, feel free to reach out to us. It's, it's completely, you know, confidential and we can help you figure out a, a path forward. Yeah, that's important. Free to learn.org, folks. That's an easy one to remember. And we're going to be keeping a close eye on all the great work you're doing, Allie, and hope to get you back on the show soon. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Ah, real pleasure today. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to take you to an exciting new experiment in the media landscape, a brand new Latino new site uh, is launching today down in Miami. We're going to tell you all about that and have the founder here to tell you her life story as a Cuban refugee. Really great story coming up right after this commercial break. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And I promised you a brief interlude to Miami, and we're going there right now to my good friend, the great journalist, Halet uh, Frahella is joining us. She launched her ADNAmerica.com today. Go check it out. One of the most new influential sites for Latino readers all across the country. Halette, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited about the launch and so excited to be here with you today talking about this 
great venture we're very happy to launch today yeah well we're really proud of it i'm a big fan of all your work and you know i meet a lot of journalists and like me we have really boring backgrounds you know we do our work but you have an amazing personal story and i thought before we we transition talk about adn america adn cuba the things you've done in the journalism world a little bit about your bio because you were born mm-hmm. in Castro's Cuba, in communist Cuba. Tell us a little bit about how you were a rebel rouser right from the beginning. Yes, uh, definitely. Thank you, John, for that. Um, well, I'm, I'm a political refugee. I left Cuba when I was a child with my family. We escaped the island and, and seek asylum in Costa Rica um, as refugees under the United Nations. My family, my grandfather was a political a uh, prisoner. He fought on Bay of Pigs. My father was a lawyer who had uh, several disagreements uh, with the regime. And um, uh, a few years ago, after living in Costa Rica, growing up there, moving to the U.S., I work on mainstream media as a TV producer and as a reporter and an editor for several years. I decided a few years ago to launch a site called ADN Cuba that focuses a lot about the threat of socialism throughout our region, especially the human rights crisis inside Cuba. Uh, Cuba is a country that uh, one day, 62 years ago, someone decided that it needed to be fundamentally changed. And all its moral fabric was destroyed after. And what we are seeing are the pieces of what was once a great country, a very prosperous country in Latin America. And the level of repression that Cubans uh, go through daily day, it's uh, really sad to watch. It's something really painful for the Cuban-American community, for all Cubans around the world, and for anybody that has experienced communism. Venezuelans understand what we're talking about, Nicaragua. We have a situation where Ortega just won the sham election that happened in Nicaragua that has been condemned by every democratic country except the usual bad guys, Venezuela, Nicaragua, Bolivia, Russia, of course, Cuba. So the situation in uh, and what I have experienced as a journalist and what my staff has experienced, we have people in prison in Cuba since April. We have a lot of our staff in the island that covers Cuba, Cuba from the inside are under domiciliary arrest. A lot of our friends are currently in prison, not only after the July 11 protest, but way before that, just for, we're talking about artists, we're talking about musicians, intellectuals. Right. That's the side of Cuba that a lot of the time, people throughout Latin America, and unfortunately, some people here in the U.S., especially the far left, don't want to see uh, socialism for its true colors. And um, it is an it is a very sad reality, it's, you know, as we all know, it's this idea of the this vision that the world is this binary uh, world between oppressed and oppressors and that you can create this false heaven, this heaven in, in, in earth. And what happens when you try to implement those policies is that everybody ends work, up right? being miserable and, and oppressed. Yeah. Yep, such an important thing. The, the dream that Castro had never materialized. In fact, it took the greatest economy in the Caribbean, and it destroyed it, right? It is a a little figment of what it used to be as a powerhouse in an economy because of communism and socialism. Now, you, before you fled Cuba, you were actually pretty famous in Cuba, right? You were a child TV star. I think the show, what was the show called? Tato and Carmina, is that right? <laughs> yes, Tato and Car- y Carmina. So Cuba, it's uh, like most communist countries you see in North Korea, you saw it in the Soviet Union, they, they, they have a commonality. They try to create this false reality um, that has nothing to, is not in touch with what people go through. And so I was a, a child actress, like you said, I, I, I did this show for kids that was very popular in Cuba. And uh, a lot of Many different generations saw the show even after I left Cuba. We are going um, on a fa- The show is very interesting because when you watch it, you're like, oh, my God, is this Cuba? And even <laughs> for me, I was going through the special period after the, the Soviet Union collapsed. Uh, it was a very difficult uh, economic uh, situation for everyone in Cuba. But then you saw these kids on TV with beautiful toys that I, often, right. of course, couldn't have beautiful houses, beautiful clothes that, I mean, people couldn't even afford, people couldn't even, aff- I couldn't even afford shoes. And I was wearing everything on, on that TV show. 
the show was not political per se in terms of its content, but it was very political because yeah. of this sham and the false reality that it, it created. It created a false um, illusion that Cuba had an economy that never existed, right? Exactly. No, definitely. Yeah. And a lot of people have bought into the narrative. That is one of the things because I, I mean, I'm Cuban by birth. I tell people I'm Costa Rican by adoption and I am an American by choice. And the reason I say that is because that's one of the motivations to create ADN America is because I think a lot of um, immigrants, a lot of people like myself that have escaped communism or have come through this country looking for a better life, share common values that are enshrining the U.S. Constitution, that no matter how different we are, where we come from, our heritage, it are those values, that moral fabric is what holds us together. And I feel there is a need to preserve those those values that unfortunately many people in the mainstream media has used journalism as a tool for uh, a specific ideology and not uh, to inform the people, to, to inform audiences, to have honest conversations, to spark real debates. And that's one of the reasons we're doing with ID in America. We want to do, uh, we, we're creating a site that allows those underrepresented stories to, to have a place to live. And a lot of what's happening today, even for, you know, y- you have a lot of the mainstream media that doesn't give a space to certain um, ideas, even if they're conservative or classical liberals or libertarian, or it doesn't, it, it's, it's such a polarization that we live in uh, nowadays that is very unfortunate. And it's just, a lot of what I'm seeing is this cultural Marxism that is yeah. spreading not only throughout America, but uh, around the world. And I know I come from the future in a way, John, you know, I've seen what that does to our society. And I guess that's what we're trying to do with this site also to to avoid that kind of polarization and narrative, because we know what happens after. Yeah, it is. You you are you have living proof because you lived it. And, and now you're here to tell America we don't want to be that you're um this past summer, as you were building quietly AD in America, off the success of AD in Cuba, the Cuban regime accused AD in Cuba of fomenting some of the freedom protests. Good thing to be accused of, by the way, protests for freedom. Uh, but uh, the, the the Cuban refugee uh, regime has never forgotten you, right? They they see your work, they see your advocacy for freedom and a free press, and they still don't like what you do even today. Isn't that true? Yes, that's that's true. Uh, we're blocked by the Cuban regime. The, last week, they just did another p- hit piece on us on on their on you know national television in Cuba. Um, just basically, also you know claiming that uh, in the past when the protests have, um, happened, they claimed that we were behind the SOS Cuba movement and that we created this movement in some special, like, high-tech lab <laughs> that they said we had. Uh, they, you know, they went after a lot of my stuff. The problem is that it's not about us. It's about attacking anybody that is standing up to and, and trying to break through that firewall of information they have created and informing people. And they're going to come after us or any independent media site that is just not following their narrative and that it's actually contributing uh, to create a more, um, you know, pluralistic space in Cuba, democratic space. And they're going to come after anybody. And they have really come very hard after us. Um, you know, a lot of, like I said, several of our journalists and our staff are still in prison and there have been declared uh, prisoners of conscience by Amnesty International. There's Amazing. a lot of awareness in the human rights community about what's happening with our staff and the constant attacks yep. that we received. And I, I also think uh, it's very important to have these spaces because a lot of people in America don't, are not really aware of what's happening just 90 miles from our shores. We just saw last week how 40 Democrats, including four Latinos, uh, representatives did not sign a legislation that was actually introduced by a Democrat uh, to protect and to stand up for the Cuban people and, and you know, demand that they release their political prisoners, that right. they allow the November 15 protest that it's coming up in a few days. And 40 Democrats, the famous squad and a few others, including Latinos, did not sign that legislation. It's unfortunate the the level of, you know, indifference that we receive uh, about our suffering. 
it is remarkable. Now, obviously, your your upbringing is Cuba, your original journalism project, ADN Cuba is Cuba, but ADN America is designed to be so much more. There's such a rich fabric of the Latino community in America from those who come from Puerto Rico, those who come from Central America, mm-hmm. those who come from Latin America, so those who come from Europe and other places. How do you expand your you know Cuban identity, your brand, to make sure that all the different constituencies um, that are part of the Hispanic community in America find something uh, on ADN America that works for them? Definitely. Well, I grew up in Central America since I'm 10 years old. So in a way, I'm a melting pot myself. But a lot of our correspondents are located in many different countries. We have uh, journalists from Mexico, Guatemala, uh, Ecuador, Peru, uh, Brazil, we have a, a new journalist that just joined our staff that also writes from Brazil. So we try to do originally um, content that is really coming from the places we are reporting. And that is really important to us to make sure that we have the voices of the people that are really going through uh, the things they are narrating and they're telling. And at the same time, here in, here in the U.S., we're making sure that we have a big coverage of what's happening in this melting pot that we are here in America, the Hispanic community that we go from so many different countries and we have people from Mexico living in LA, but then we have Puerto Ricans and Dominican Republic in, in New York, of course, given Americans in Florida. That has always, Miami in a way, is a melting pot like that. It's, there's a reason why it's called the capital of Latin America. <laughs> we have a little bit of everything. You do. And um, we, we want to celebrate our heritage, but at the same time come together by those common values that we all that we all share yeah such an important thing but one of the most interesting right out of the box you guys have an impactful story today if you haven't checked it out folks go to adnamerica.com you can read it in spanish or english it is fantastic but uh you took a look you went in and took a look at the exit polls of what we just learned a week ago in virginia new jersey and the other places and you see in these exit polls an interesting pattern about Latino voters who've traditionally been in the Democratic camp more than they're Republican, um, you see a shift and in, in you, you have a great story in this. Talk a little bit about what you found in this first story that you know launched your site this morning. Yes, well, definitely we saw a breaking point in this election and how Latinos voted on, on Virginia. And we interviewed a few analysts, a lot of voted, uh, voters in Virginia, PA, other coalitions like the Libre Institute and some some analysts believe that this recent shift is not just uh, an anomaly. It's something that, you know, has been significantly uh, impacted by the far left policies that some people on the Democratic Party has taken. And that is contributing to this shift on the on on the Latino community that has obviously benefited the, the Republican Party in this election. Wow. I think um it's a very interesting piece, very balanced piece, but that it gives us an overall of how diverse that we are not a monolithic group, how diverse our ideas are. But at the same time, there is a common misconception that we vote based on heritage and we vote just the same way that every human being votes based on priorities, the That's economy, right. health, education. So this idea that you can put a label on people, especially in a community as diverse as the Hispanic community and the Latino community, it's very reductionistic and it's not, it's, in the long run, it's not going to help any political party. So the, I guess the, the piece tries to give a little bit of insight of what is motivating voters in different communities. That is not only in Florida, Virginia, it's a completely different demographic, different, uh, you know, people that come a lot from Central America. And they're also being a little bit, you know, uh, resistant to this far left policies that I think at the end, as the same New York Times editorial mentioned it a few last week, you know, it's pushing people away because yeah. we know what those policies do. That's why we fled Latin America. So it's very, we don't want to be here voting for the same policies that made us flee our countries in the same place. Such an important thing. Um, Hello, just real quickly, for people who want to stay connected with you, uh, obviously adnamerica.com is easy to remember. Uh, email, Twitter, Facebook, what, what are some of the things that you, where, how people can stay connected to the great project you've now launched? Thank you so much. Yes, on Twitter, ADN America on Twitter. We're also on Instagram, ADN America, and also on Facebook. If you Google ADN America, it's going to come up. 
Uh, our pages are new. We we we're, we we want to invite everybody to to follow it on, on, on social media and uh, take a look at a site on atnamerica.com. And ATN, for all of you that are listening to the podcast, it means DNA, America's DNA. So atnamerica.com. <laughs> well, congratulations on, first, your, your entire career is such an inspiration for anyone who wants to be a journalist. Uh, you are a defender of freedom, a defender of the, a defender of the free press. And, uh, and now you have created this extraordinary new uh, site for Latinos and quite frankly, everyone in America to look at. It's in English and in Spanish. It's great. Uh, we're proud to have some of the Justin News stories on there. Glad to be a partner of yours. And we're cheering you on, uh, Alette, for, for great success because you, you certainly deserve it. Thank you, John. You're too kind. Thank you so much. We're so proud of collaborating with Justin News. We love the content and to be allowed to sh- a lot of the stories to also publish them in Eng- in Spanish for a you know, Hispanics to be able to access that information. We love it. And we're excited and can't uh, look so forward to the partnership in the, in the years ahead. So congrats on the launch today and we'll be back in touch. We'll try to get you on regularly on the podcast so people can keep uh, on top of all the great work you're doing in, at ADN America. So thanks a lot. Gracias. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll come back in just a few seconds and wrap it up. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. All right, folks, welcome back. Holy mackerel, what a day. Two great conversation, two amazing women. Follow them often. We really have such amazing people that we try to bring on the show and introduce you to. Ali Mare, right at the forefront of that parents' fight, and Halet Frahella, antagonizing the communists in Cuba and now launching a nationwide Latino news site built on the same values as just the news, freedom and honesty and transparency and factual news, not indoctrination, but facts. We often use the title news, not noise, and we mean it. We're not trying to create a political agenda here. We're trying to give you facts so you can make it up. Well, that is what ADN America is trying to do to the fast-growing Latino community in America, those who come from Puerto Rico and Cuba and Central America and Latin America and all the other great countries that have brought their wonderful people here to the United States to create a vibrant Latino community. Now they have their own news site that isn't a left-leaning propaganda arm, but just a straight news site. You got to check it out, adnamerica.com, freetolearn.org. Two new sites we've introduced to do two extraordinary leaders on the forefront of American policy and American conversation. Hope you enjoyed that. We will be back tomorrow with another edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. I hope you enjoyed today. I know tomorrow we get some more surprises, so stay tuned.